0: All right, everyone, I am here with John Dunphy from JMD Apologetics. If you followed us on social media, I wasn't sure when this stream was going to happen just because of uh, I was doing some stuff, and you know how life goes. Um, but regardless of what's going on, we are here. We are going to be talking about some dealing with doubts today. Uh, how's it going, John?
1: Uh, it's going pretty good. Uh, how are you doing yourself?
0: I'm doing pretty good. It's been a hectic day, but you know, I'm happy to be here. Always enjoy talking with people about God, so you know, can't complain. Life's good. Um, so let's just just to start off, can you talk a little bit about so if someone doesn't know who you are, what you do, what's going on with John Dunfee at JMD Apologetics?
1: Yeah. So, um, I took a little break for most of May, a little April, I think, and I'm changing my curricul- curriculum. I can't pronounce the word. Basically, you know, I, I have I've been doing videos for three years on apologetics topics, and now I want to do more stuff in ministry. I'm still doing apologetic stuff. That's still my main priority, but doing more stuff with the whole ministry side of, you know, what it means to run a ministry. So, you know, it's mostly an apologetics channel. I've done a bunch of live streams of some some videos on, you know, answering questions concerning the Christian faith and God's existence and so on. And, uh, you know, recently I've gone through a change with these doubts of, yeah, I need to make a little bit of a change uh, with my ministry approach. So that's what's going on at GMD Apologetics. Yeah,
0: good stuff. Uh, Roxby, Ethan, everyone that's here, how's it going? Um, yeah, so today we're just going to be talking about dealing with doubt. It's just going to be kind of a probably not super like high scholarly discussion, just more of a general conversation we're going to look at these things i know john has a big video on doubts coming out at some point give any update on when that video is going to come out
1: i'm hoping next week uh, i'm like 40 minutes in
0: wow how long, how long is the video going to be in total i don't know <laughs> all right there's a lot that can be said um so j- just give us a little bit of an overview like what when you're looking into the idea of doubts and understanding these things more What what what's what's the big picture
1: yeah. So, what I have in mind with this video, I've covered intellectual doubts. I, I, I have not had that many intellectual doubts. I have questions that, you know, most of the time you don't have answers, but they're not significant questions that attack the truth of Christianity. But um, but this video is mainly focusing on emotional doubts, and those can fall under passive doubts, which I think are issues that people deal with well, don't know how to deal with because the church doesn't seem open with actually talking about those discussions in people's lives. And when those doubts come by, they don't know how to handle them. And they just completely destroy their faith because they weren't, you know, the ones out there, the youth group leaders, you know, I'm reading this one book called You Lost Me. And sometimes a big youth group could affect that because uh, there's too many people and you don't get to know them. And sometimes those going through those doubts don't feel comfortable to reach out and actually talk to people and seek counsel. And I you know, I'm not saying claiming most churches don't deal with that, but like a lot don't and create these passive doubts. And like a passive doubt would be, you know, um, let's take an example relationships, you know, where is God during you know, you know, these times in which let's say a relationship fails and you're like, God, where were you during that? And stuff like that. And there's many other life issues and people have doubts concerning that. Well, I think the problem becomes, uh, you know, when you take that doubt and make it an idol in your life and let that control you. And so the goodness of God and you forget what God has already done for you and what he's done at the cross and so on. Um, another type of doubt would be in institutional doubts, which would be like sort of you, you look at the church. And you're just like, oh, my goodness, this place is filled with hypocrites. So it's neither an intellectual doubt nor a passive doubt or emotional doubt. You're just like, really, the, you know, you're, you're, you're claiming this this thing we call the church is claiming to be the messengers for god and they're acting this way and that would just cause people to doubt the, you know the, either the consistency or like is it even worth it in my life so you can have doubts like that so those are three doubts i've been thinking about these emotional passive doubts intellectual doubts and uh, institutional doubts
0: yeah there's a lot that we can unpack here and we'll probably discuss as we go through this stream so like I'm curious, like, what kind of, like, what kind of inspired this video? You um, talked about it a little bit, but just give you a little bit further, and, like, what, what's the inspiration behind this this video and everything you're doing regarding doubts?
1: Yeah, I won't go into the specifics, but let's just say I was having doubts myself for, you know, a couple of months and really a year, and I was sort of doubting the goodness of God, mm-hmm. and I ended up finding out, no, it was something I wanted and I treated it as a need in which it wasn't. And I put that need above my relationship with God and worship of God. And because of that, um, that was really what was hurting me. It, I, it wasn't the goodness of God that was missing. It was just me not looking to the goodness of God. And, uh, you know, I would read a Bible chapter at night and pray, but, like, that never really helped because I didn't take more initiative with how I, how I actually want to live my life and, you know, live out what God has for my life and so on. So basically, these doubts. I did pray, and I think God um, did answer those prayers for answers to these doubts. I pray for wisdom every night, and we can get into how wisdom helps and stuff. But you know, basically, some some doubts myself, and because of that experience, um, experience is powerful. Mm. It definitely changed my mind and my scope of what I want to do. And, uh, you know, I've just been talking with other people dealing with similar issues and it's just like, yeah, this is more clear for me now.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think, I think something really important to realize is doubts are so real. They're so common. Like, and it's not bad to doubt. Like, I think a lot of times, uh, you think that once, once you've looked into apologetics some people might be like, okay, well, I shouldn't doubt anymore. I have the answers I was looking for, but that's really not the case, um, and that's more the intellectual side, and obviously, I know you're focusing more on the emotional side with the doubts and everything that you've been studying. And that same thing is so true because I think for a lot of people, they, they they typically their first doubts about the faith come through an emotional reason rather than intellectual. Like it's like, oh, this person broke my heart, or why did this person? Which could lean more intellectual. Why did this person die? Or does God love me? Like something along those lines. So like, for someone who that i don't think there'd be many christians who would take this position but for a christian who doesn't believe that these doubt like understanding doubts especially from people like in our generation is important like what do you say to someone who doesn't think doubts are an important topic in the church
1: i say there are they're plugging their ears and just um yapping off what what they believe themselves and not actually taking other people seriously and not staying in according to scripture um, I, I would say they're missing the whole point of love and, and ministry itself. And if they're not having doubts, then they either haven't gone through something themselves or like they've deluded themselves in some sense. And I'm not saying they're not Christian, but I I'm, I'm, I would definitely claim that their mindset isn't in the right place. I mean, Jesus, who's omniscient, uh, he, he dealt with a lot of people's doubts in the New Testament. And like he's God. And if, if, if God takes those doubts seriously, then I think we should.
0: Yeah, I think that's fair. Uh, so, if you're cool, with it, I think what we should, what would be good to do is we could kind of walk through these three types of doubts that you talk about, right? Um, sure. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and I saw there was a question. We were skeptical from Skeptical Mantis. We will do some questions at the end, uh, but for now, we're just going to do this conversation. We'll get to that at the end. Uh, but let's just walk through these through these three types of doubts. Go into a little more detail. Discuss them. So,
1: to, to answer his question, it's between zero and a hundred.
0: <laughs> All right, fair enough. Um, well, actually, if it's between zero and one hundred, then it's actually from one to ninety-nine. But um, let's just go through. Let's walk through some of these doubts. Um, let's talk, Just choose one of the categories to start off with, and just let's just talk about it for a little bit.
1: Sure, intellectual doubts. I don't. I'm not covering those that much in, in this video. I like how Ravi Zacharias makes the distinction between questions and doubts. And you know, yes, I give it the category of intellectual doubt because if it's not dealt with, it will just turn into something that, yeah, if it's not answered, your confidence in Christianity you could say lowers because it hasn't been answered sufficiently. So I one one intellectual doubt I always struggled with. I was taught with young earth creationism and I was almost taught as core and you know, part of mere Christianity. It's not by any means you know, I doubted that. I, I would just look at genesis 1 and 2 and if you take if you interpret them the way younger gracious do in which i think they interpret them the wrong hermeneutical approach in ancient cultural context I, I think contradictions do result from that and i think they just give ad hoc explanations of that and they assert things in there that aren't in the text like a a water dome and stuff like that but when they're not answered and a lot of the time my doubts are always shunned um when it when it came to that and like It wasn't until my youth group leader in high school actually took those doubts seriously that actually led me and gave me a stronger faith. Now, it wasn't any sort of emotional doubts. Um, He's helped me with those as well in the past. But uh, these intellectual doubts, I I think people, if they have sincere questions and are seeking sincere answers, then I think they'll get them. But the problem is they don't have the right materials or places to go and the place to go is either the church or, you know, a youth group leader or whatnot, or, you know, a Christian who could just be your friend. And, hey, look, I, I know what Paul X is. You know, maybe I can answer some of those questions. And I, uh, I, I, I think uh, I used to think that intellectual doubts were a very strong reason for why people leave the church. And I am truly convinced that is probably the smallest reason why people leave the church. I think hypocrisy and these passive doubts um, are more reasons because they never really had counsel because the church didn't make it clear, hey, if you're dealing with doubts, you can talk to us or develop friendships. And that, that's very important. And I and because they treat it like an institution almost, then that the, that friendship in Christ and so on just becomes irrelevant to them in these doubts. But um yeah, I would say intellectual doubts are questions, not actual doubts in the sense of you're you're doubting like the goodness of God, you're doubting God's faithfulness. So there are doubts that result from questions in that sense. So I, I would I, I would accept Robbie Zacharias's distinction there, questions and doubts. Now if it becomes so serious that it goes beyond a question and you do question the truthfulness of it, sure that would be a doubt, but questions like, you know, young earth creationism and stuff. I won't call those doubts, I just say yeah, you're looking into your faith more rigorous intellectually rigorously. Hmm. And yeah. then you, oh good. Oh no, were, were you gonna transition to
0: the next type of doubt or were you gonna Oh no, you can ask questions about
1: intellectual doubts and stuff.
0: Yeah, I just add a couple of thoughts one of the things you you brought up that was really interesting was the whole young earth creationism thing because it's kind of like for me it was a similar idea. I mean, so I didn't really grow up in a household that really like was like promoting that or like a church that really, I don't know, really like, I never really under looked into these things much before, uh, right after 10th grade is when I started looking into these things. And I thought for about a year that all Christians were young earth creationists. Cause I just didn't know where to look. Um, like my only, literally the only places online that I, like, I couldn't, this was like probably this would have been like three or four years ago now. I wouldn't. I you could if you asked me like four years ago who's William Link Greg? I'd have no idea who you're talking about. So, um, it's like I think with intellectual doubts, a lot of it's just pointing people in the right direction with where to go because for a lot of these common things that we first we 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 first come up with, like what about young know, earth creationism or the problem of evil? Or about what about what about people who? who didn't never heard the gospel, you know, some of the most common things that we think of in the intellectual circles, there's really good answers. People just don't know where to look. Like I see that a lot.
1: Yeah. And I think, you know, not enough churches have apologetics, but I think more people, more churches have more apologetics and classical apologists actually give credit for, but maybe it's because of their work that more people have apologetics. But as you were talking about there, I never even heard of William Lane Craig and like when I was blown away by this idea of old earth creationism and a local flood and all this stuff by Hugh Ross, my mind was just I didn't know what to make <laughs> of that because like all I was taught was young earth creationism. Literally, I, I didn't even hear about these ideas until what I was like 16 or 17, maybe even 15. But um, at first I challenged it because, you know, I, I was I was I won't say indoctrinated because Well, one church I went to for a while. They were a bit that way, but my parents never really indoctrinated me. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, it was definitely shunned if you had these intellectual doubts, and I I don't think those are the right ones to shun. I definitely don't think emotional doubts should be shunned at all, but if you you let that control you, and now you just question the goodness of God on a universal scale because of this uh, one thing you didn't get or, you know, one need you had now obviously I'm not there there are cases in which you know someone dies a loved one dies I would never say that on that level but let's say you know maybe dating just fails like it's pretty ridiculous to just start doubting God's faithfulness and goodness and so on because of that Uh, if you let that control you like obviously the emotions are fine to go through for for a week or two or whatever but uh, if you let that control you then that's where the problem comes in because you're putting emotional needs above God and god is really the one thing you do actually need and the only thing well not the only thing you need you need family friends food shelter god cares about those things so
0: yeah uh before we transition to like kind of the emotional doubts you've been talking about uh, one thought on intellectual doubts that i kind of thought of is i remember uh heading my senior year of high school i read evidence that demands a verdict and that was the first time ever I read about these like different theories about Genesis. And like, my mind was blown. I was like, wow, there's like this gap theory and theistic evolution old the creation and I was like, there's so many different things. And I'm like, wow, this is actually like crazy. Like my mind was blown because it's just things that we don't see in church. And I mean, I don't know where you're at church wise. are like, we really don't have many churches that have Sunday schools or like it's like usually like, you go there, you get the sermon and you know, it's just it basically um that's the church structure at least in central pennsylvania for the most part um but yeah emotional doubts what what would you say to someone who's kind of like going through these emotional doubts where they had something happen in their life where they just like question god's goodness or something along those lines like what do you say to someone who's going through something like that
1: yeah it really depends on what it is if it's something very low and like something you, you need to just get over it. i wouldn't tell them that at first but like I just be a friend to them, and you know, give them advice, and you know, be there for them, and actually care, and you know, develop that loving relationship, and so on. Not because I have to, but because I care. And I've done that with a few people recently, and it is actually fulfilling. Um, let's see here. Uh, I would say don't doubt the goodness of God. I would almost say doubt the confidence in yourself and your own understanding of what you what you take this doubt to mean for you i know people who think yeah i i believe there's supernatural things i believe there's complete evil and complete good and the complete evil you know punishes me but yet you know everything has a reason you know i I just ask questions you know i do it in a sincere way i'm not i don't challenge their beliefs i just ask them to you know just think outside the box for the second and it's, it's helpful, but, you know, it really just depends on where they're coming from. If it's completely emotional, I don't bring up apologetics. I just develop that friendship, and, mm-hmm. and I'll share scripture and God's love and what God has done for me and so on. And, you know, testimony works better with other people. Um, I wouldn't say, you know, because of my testimony testimony or other people's testimony, you should become a Christian and say, look at the evidence for yourself and make that conclusion for yourself. And any questions you have, uh, you're more than welcome to ask people like me or Zach but, uh, again, context, but always you do it in a loving, gentle, respectful way, First Peter 3.15. And uh, and also, I would help them with their physical needs. You know, Christians are dualists and are just like, no, spiritual is all that matters. No, your physical needs, your material needs matter just as much. Because yeah. if that wasn't the case, we won't be body and soul.
0: Mm. Yeah, I think there's a lot of good points you make. Um I think when dealing with emotional doubts, there's a couple of things we can look at. One's kind of like as a friend uh, who has someone dealing with emotional doubts. Um, before we get a question for BDS, we'll get to at the end. Good night, Benjamin. Um, as we keep on going. Um, so when we have a friend that's going through emotional doubts, I think you're like spot on with like just being a friend, being there for people is so important. Like it's just, it's so important to have at least one, and it's even nice to have two or three people you can just totally trust with everything because it's just kind of like you can lay it on them and you know it's safe and it helps with those emotional doubts because it gives you someone to like process your your questions with whether it's about like god's goodness or god's love or something like those lines and then for someone who's going through these doubts especially in this emotional category i think one of the most important things is just like spending time in the word with god spending time in prayer because like the more time you spend reading your Bible and the more time you spend in prayer, the more the more connected you're going to be with God. You're going to understand uh, his testimony to the world better and things like that. So I think it's so important um, to really, when we're going through doubt, to really be in the word. Um, yeah.
1: And with the emotions, uh, never shun their emotions, especially if you've ever gone through anything. Um, recently, I've had people shun some emotions I went through. And, you know, people from that point of view, they're either hurt with God or, you know, just claim to be, you know, yeah, I'm a Christian. Then when they do that, it's just like, no, you're relying on your own understanding and what you take to be the right method and how to deal with people like that. But uh, and at that point, you're the fool and not listening to the words of the wise, which I just go to the book of Proverbs with uh, wisdom and how to deal with stuff like that. But, you yeah, know, emotions are completely it's okay to cry it's okay to be mad mm-hmm. um just don't a, a, in the long run i mean obviously you can't control those emotions but like uh, eventually as things slow down i think you have more control over them so i would also say um be clear with them i don't think you're in the right state of mind to be thinking about these things after a couple of days they go through when you first tell them that's just going to go over their head but um i, I think when someone is truly rational they realize those things Mm. It, yeah. it just depends on the impact and what it is
0: yeah um a lot of good points out good, it's good Nick, quiet. we will get that question at the end um i think that sorry i'm just trying to process all my thoughts here um i think it's so important that you talk about how we can't control our emotions which is which is very true but we, we need to learn to not let our emotions control us um Carl, I like to joke with him about it because we played basketball in high school and there'd be times where he did that kind of just in, in a fun way. Um just playing basketball in high school. But I mean it's so important that we have control over our emotions um and really just like learn how to process things. Because like if you don't have to control your emotions when you when you're going through doubts, you may just get angry or frustrated and you'll you'll put that out on someone or something that doesn't deserve the output of your emotions. So knowing how to like distribute your emotions is such an important thing uh, when dealing with doubts and knowing that like when you, when you feel sad or when you feel angry, like not, not just to um, in it's Philippians talks about casting our anxieties on God. um, And yeah. So like, just like knowing that we can put our frustrations on God and we don't have to carry them all on our own. I think is a really important thing to understand.
1: And, you know, recently I thought I was a lover of wisdom before, and then I realized no, I just knew what wisdom was, but true wisdom is actually applying it to your life. And I think the more you apply wisdom and apply truth and make that a priority over these secondary needs, I think uh, you control your emotions better, and only get over emo only get emotional over things that are worth like that. Like just hearing the actual true message of the gospel is very emotional, and you know sometimes it does make me cry. Whether people want to you know, say, oh, you're just emotional. Well, okay, let's, uh, next time I see you cry, I, I won't make fun of you, but, you know, but it's because of the truthfulness of it. So it's not because I use it as a mental crutch or anything like that. Mm,
0: yeah, a lot of good points. Is there anything you want to add in this section as we talk about emotional doubts before we transition to your third and final category?
1: Yeah, um, I won't say th- those are my only categories, but right now they are. But, um, you know, I just meant mentioned a mental crutch and, this may offend some people, and that's not my intention. I posted this on Facebook the other day, and I think these secondary emotional needs become our mental crutches. And, you know, religion is just a secondary effect if someone uses that as a as mental crutch. I think we let our emotions control us, so we don't have to do in-depth thinking about that. If you let them control you in the long end. But um, I, I, I think those become the idol and crutch in our life. Because that's almost the only way you know how to deal with it if if it controls you, basically. And you don't seek counsel with others who are in the church or, you know, just even good friends. Like, I, I'd give the same advice to atheists and non-believers. I, I wouldn't say some of the points I make is purely in a Christian context. I think Christians probably deal a little bit more since they believe in the goodness of God more. And when it happens to them, they're just like, you know, it's a, it's a test of faith. While the atheists, they probably just was just like, yeah. I went through these doubts i just don't believe in the believe in god because i doubt his goodness or whatnot or you know maybe intellectual reasons but uh yeah
0: so what do you mean by secondary? second can you just for someone that's like you hear this idea of a secondary emotional need what do you what do you specifically mean by secondary emotional needs yeah
1: so needs firstly that are not necessary um the best example that comes to mind is Our relationships in the Eros sense, the other three loves in the four loves, I think are need loves. I think you need friends. I think you need love of things. And I think you need family uh, and agape love. Agape love is God love. But Eros, strangely enough, is not the one thing you want. And if you treat it as a need, that becomes an idol in your life. And you let that control your life. And when you're in that search, your search is going to be tainted. Well, realizing, no, this isn't something I need. It's something I want because it's a good thing. I have to do this the right way. And I would just say that's one of those, little. it can become very emotional. And (coughs) it does. It rules your life. And that's a secondary emotional need um, that I think many people put above God.
0: Yeah, good stuff, man. You want to transition here to your, your third category that you have in your video about doubts?
1: Sure. Um, yeah, and I don't know if I'll go into this into the video. Maybe I'll do a video on church hypocrisy, but, you know, I I see many people who claim to be Christian, and then they just lie to you, lie to you, like right, like, right to your face, and you have many conversations about theology and philosophy and the goodness of God and the Trinity and all this stuff, and then they have this type of shallow faith in which they either have an inch wide faith in which you know yeah i'm a christian because i was raised that way or you know i've had good stuff happen in my life or you know they have a mile wide faith in which they have all this knowledge and they're very unwise because they have the knowledge and they're conscious of it but yet they don't use it to actually make huge decisions in their life and because of that i think those who have the mile mile depth knowledge of faith who don't treat it as a faith just have the shallow faith and develop this type of arrogance because they have all this knowledge Per se, that they can talk down to others who act, who act in a way that isn't wise to them, their own understanding, and you know that's where I think some people will shun other people's emotions and so on. And I think the church is filled with many people like that, and you know just, just many Christians I think are, um, egoists in in the sense they they believe because they have a self-interest and maybe it's either a mental crutch or maybe they benefit from the church or whatnot, or they just benefit from the beliefs themselves and they don't actually care about truth or, you know, what it means to be a Christian. And I think the church is filled with many of those. And yeah, I, you know, if it can cause doubts in the institution and therefore, you know, not, maybe not the truthfulness, but, you know, the application of it to my life it's just like these people believe this and yet it's not, they're not actually applying it to their life. And it's just like, why would maybe if it's, maybe it's true, but like, why wouldn't, if it's this, you know, pragmatically useless here since, you know, the hypocrisy is real, then how does it even apply to my life? Why should I live my life that way? And I think, I think it would cause, it would almost be like the transition from belief that to belief in, you know, mm. and because of those hypocrites, they cause doubts in that sense, not, you know, this, you know, well, not challenging the goodness of God or know whether God actually exists, but you know, the the sort of middle ground. And, uh, firstly, I think a way is apologetics to help deal with that because you literally address the church, the hypocrites in the church with apologetics, but just good doctrine and actually good application and making it relevant to people's lives. And the church, the church focuses way too much on hell in the afterlife a lot of the time and misses the point of the gospel. The now, how does this help me now? And, why should I? Why should I act as Christ did? Because the church will ask, you know, what did what would Jesus do? She's like, no, what did he do, and how how can I apply that in my life, mm-hmm. and how can you know I, I follow God and so and pick up my cross? And I think I think a lot of this results from the prosperity gospel, and uh, you know, who who's the dude with the twenty million dollar plan?
0: Is that Osteen or coping? no
1: no. No, Copeland, Olstein, I thought Olstein was bad. Copeland is just, oh my <laughs> goodness, like a man worth three hundred million. I think it's just like, yeah, that's not that definitely comes off as, hip. and you know, I got no problem. I, I I think the Bible allows for richness, but um, because I think you know, the eye through the eye of the needle camel bit is talking about if you make the riches of your life an idol. Then, um, and that would almost possibly be an emotional need because you need this to be happy. And it's just like happiness you're seeking and you're seeking it in the wrong place and because you made it your idol and not search for it in the right place, a.k.a. God or just truth or life itself. And good. I think everyone knows good. I think everyone can know truth and virtue. And I think people can apply that. And that's why I think many non-believers can be happy in this life. Um, but yeah, just with all the hypocrites like Andrew Copeland, I think, who has all that money and doesn't, you know, actually use it for the church almost or actual ministry. Mm. I I think that just puts a lot of bad taste in people's mouths. And, you know, you can almost view racism as the same way. You know, maybe just a few people who happen to be that race do, you know, crimes or whatnot, then all the stereotypes start. I think we have that with the church. Just look at the Westboro Baptist Church. Twelve people paint the gospel as this hateful message that God just, God made all of us just to hate us because we sin. It's just like, no, God actually God actually wants you in this relationship, and that's why he gets upset because you've you've lost something. He doesn't need to – he didn't need to die on the cross. There's nothing necessary about that. In fact, it almost seems illogical because, you know, justice would say, yeah, people sin. Um, you know, you're rendering ones ones due, but yet we're not rendered that for some reason. And that's honestly – you know, the Trinity is confusing, but that boggles my mind even more just thinking about the whole message of the gospel.
0: Mm. there's so many like good points you bring up here um a lot of interesting stuff to talk about and i think this is probably the, one of the more the more common objections you'll see against christianity as a whole you say you're, you're pat this pastor or this elder or this priest or whoever is a hypocrite because they are doing this and they're preaching the gospel i think this is something that's just so like just real um there's a lot a lot to be said i'm curious what like, what are your thoughts um politics obviously it can be sticky and probably it's it's hard to comment on politics without making somebody angry Um, you know
1: i i i love that you brought up politics because my mind was going the same place people treat religion and the church just like how they treat politics because one person because you've made this idol you you identify as a democrat and almost put your entire identity in that or conservative or you know libertarian and put your identity in that and whenever someone from the other side makes this bad, um, you know, does something bad, you treat all Republicans or Democrats that way or Libertarians or Liberals. Um, you know, I, I, I do take certain political stances, but I, I value truth more than politics, and people value that almost identity point they make for themselves over truth, and that's why I think we have a lot of corrupt people in politics. But, uh, yeah, that's sort of my view on politics. I'm, I'm more of a classic Plato's Republic. Let's have a philosopher king or a virtuous one to control his stuff. But i say that's not going to happen anytime soon because most people aren't like that. And people who want power, um, have that much power, usually aren't virtuous in the first place.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think there's a lot of Christians that if they were as passionate about God as they are about their politics, we'd have a lot more souls wanting for Christ. Um, yeah. I think
1: it's almost because of that love of politics, it becomes just like you're a Christian, but yet you almost agree with certain political views that disagree with, you know, Christian doctrine. There's aren't, I I honestly do think the right probably aligns more, but like the way people on the right are hypocrites, I think almost because they identify with those Christian values that they supposedly hold, that almost causes more hypocrisy in the church because, you know, I I think a good example, eh, I'm not going to give too many political opinions 'Cause for some reason political opinions is diminished more than religious opinions. But um I think people treat have this mentality with politics and they do the same thing with religion in general, especially towards Christianity, because of certain people in politics. And I think uh, you know, the the biggest mistake is letting politics rule almost who you are or who you identify with and you ground your values in, in, in that party instead of truth and you know moral philosophy itself well you know religion at least looks at these questions while politics does not and i think people are almost searching in the wrong place when they search for their values and identity in politics itself
0: hmm. especially
1: yeah. politics
0: i think that i don't like i don't like talking about politics especially like on stream but i mean personally with my my I don't really do a lot with politics. I just vote, which I mean is probably the most important thing you can do regarding politics. Um, but I mean, what the way I approach politics is just simply the question: what best advances the gospel? Um, sure. And I mean, like to me, the gospel. And I think Christians they should say the gospel is the most important thing. So I kind of just look at it: what best advances the gospel? Um, so one of the I, I think one of the most challenging things we have to deal with. With um, especially with engaging people in our generation, is sh- showing them what Christianity is like. So to further illustrate, like uh, we ha- uh, the the murder of George Floyd, all the stuff that happened afterwards, and there were Christians who were saying Black Lives Matter and posting the black squares, and people were going after them. And then there are people who were saying All oh, Lives Matter and ignoring the Black Lives Matter, and Christians were going after them, and the non-Christians who support the movement, which is just about everyone was going, we're going after them as well. And like, we just have this like bad stigma almost like it seems, like there's a lot of people look at this and they'll say Christians aren't really concerned about um, African-Americans and social injustice, which, which, which Christians are like, but I think sometimes we can give the appearance, like um, some people can give that appearance that they just don't care with the way that they, say things because so they don't really realize like what it might look like in someone else's eyes. So like, it's, it's a very complex issue, but how do you think as Christians we should like approach like um, reaching these people that may say Christians are a bunch of hypocrites who don't support black lives matter and they don't like black, which obviously is not true, but it's something that people think about Christianity based off of their interpretations of what some Christians said. So where, where do you go with people like that? Like how can we show the love of Christ to them?
1: Yeah, so I think the biggest issue is this idea of tribalism. And uh, there's a book I have on my my bookshelf called Hidden Worldviews, and they almost go through like eight worldviews people hold to in Western culture. But you identify with this particular notion or group. You can take Black Lives Matter, for example. I think they have the right message. Yeah, racism is bad. It's literally just a genetic fallacy. It's a logical fallacy. So, like, logically it's bad and morally it's bad. But um, I I think a lot of the time people who support that group and are in that group treat it as only Black Lives Matters because they shun other people. Because I'm white, I can't have bad experiences apparently or complain about those. I don't think we should ultimately complain about things that we can't control or even control ourselves because I think that just makes things worse. And my proof for that is just look at what happened, look at people's reactions to the whole George Floyd thing. They're complaining about things that they really can't control and yeah, it's an injustice. And you know, I, I think these riots and well, looting is never justified, no matter what. Um, I think, especially if you're looting stores that aren't, you know, institutional, just local businesses. That that's just ridiculous, and people like that need to be prosecuted. But I I, I think I think if let's say because let, I, I I watched a great movie. I forget what it was called. It was with Michael B. Jordan, not the basketball player, the actor. <laughs> I used to think that Michael B. Jordan, the basketball player, played uh, Killmonger. I, I, know I wish, I wish. But um, uh, I think it was called Mercy.
0: I I have no idea about movies. Yeah, so he, don't he's ask a lawyer. Me. He's
1: a lawyer, and they go through all the corrupt, uh, um, the, the corrupt court system of Alabama, and the pure inner racism in there, and like it's a great movie. And, you know, it's based on testimony, you know, actual cases and so on. Like people should be riding over that stuff in Alabama, not over one injustice. And they haven't even gone to court yet. I would be like, yeah, let's definitely protest. Well, protesting is fine, but riot would be necessary with the Minneapolis um, police station at that point. If and the court system, if the, if the court system went through and, you know, gave them an innocent verdict because of police status and at that point it's just like yeah no that's injustice and at, at that point i think riding and protesting is necessary in that area don't affect other areas and don't make it a nationwide problem it's obviously a corrupt thing in the station or the police station itself or whatever or with just the individuals i think people are drawing way too many conclusions and just to get to to my main point i think people rely on their own understanding of things and do not look beyond their scope of perspective and that's just the whole idea of relativism and uh pluralism look to your own understanding and what suits you best how you perceive reality don't look into a different perspective and see if there's absolute truth and a way i should live my life no i should live my life i want to live it not live it how i should and i think because of that you just get all these ridiculous ideas that pop out And you know the internet is not a good idea for that, and all these ideas just spread over. And you can start a movement like this. I mean, just look at the past two weeks. I mean, because imagine if this happened early 2000, in which the internet wasn't really a thing yet. I I think there would, I think there would be a lot less controversy because bad ideas can get out fast. I'm not saying don't protest like at all, but riding in other towns like my own Pittsburgh and affecting other people, many black officers who have been killed, and many other. You know, people who have gotten hurt who did nothing to deserve that in these loots, riots and everything, burning buildings down. I, I, I think it's, it's just morally wrong at that point. And I think people just make these idols. I think they make their self-understanding an idol. And at that point, you're almost willing to believe anything that sounds good to you. And that, that's, that's dangerous. I think that's almost how um, just bad societies happen how most, most sin happens. And again, yeah. it's a sin issue. It's, it's a problem with the individual. not Well, the whole collective group, humanity overall is sinful. Um, I won't obviously make one race or not. I think the entire human race is sinful at one point. You will know, we'll always be sinful if not seeking God and seeking their own understanding. But um, I, I, I think foundationally, if people have self-understanding as that, I, I think it leads to things, stuff like this. Did I answer your original question or did I just go to the
0: place? I think you did. And it kind of went off a little bit, but I mean, you know, you don't, there's, there's no, there's no script here. You know, we can talk about anything. Um, I just think of what you said. I mean, I think people take advantage of good intentions and I think that's kind of what we saw with the riots. um, But I mean, let's not get into that because that's true. doubts. Before we go into Q&A, do you have any last thoughts you want to give before we answer a few questions?
1: Yeah, if you're going through doubts, don't rely on your own self-understanding because you're not in the right mood to be thinking about truth and the goodness of God. Seek counsel, especially if you're a Christian. Go to your local church, and if they don't help, then seek other friends or Christians who who are close to you. Um, Especially if you're in a youth group, definitely talk to your youth group leader. Try and develop that relationship. Let me tell you, when you rely on your own self-understanding, I think that's when depression and anxiety, if it's not like a biological thing, I think if you just focus on those doubts, I think that just results from that. Uh, Don't let the doubts control you. It's okay to cry. It's okay to go through the emotions. I've been there. Everyone has at one point, but you can't let it control you. Don't doubt the goodness of God, and at this point in your life, you have to make a serious decision if you're intellectually convinced, of course. Don't let emotional doubts uh, control your intellect, because that—that's also very bad. Um, make the important decision: should I follow Christ and actually um, give that a go? Since I'm at the worst time of my life, should I be Job and place my faithfulness in God, even though all this horrible stuff has happened to me?
0: All right, man. Let's look at some Q and see three questions, and if anyone wants to add anything, feel free to ask it. And uh, we're going to go for about 60 minutes max, is kind of the plan because StreamYard free plan. Uh, Skeptical man says, Back to the beginning. Uh, I'll let you answer first, John. I'll kind of add stuff at the end if I see uh, something that he's added. Um, he says, How strong is your confidence in Christianity on a scale from zero to 100?
1: Yeah, the problem with these Pine Creek, uh, Pine Creek questions are is this talking about on an intellectual level because he does not believe that it is all purely intellectual and philosophical and so on. He thinks it's mostly emotional. Then he asks people these types of questions, and it's just like, were you talking about their emotions or intellectually convinced? So am I subjectively convinced and satisfied with Christianity? And is my confidence in the confidence in the sense of my trusting in that, or are you talking purely intellectual? And if my intellectual is just excuses for emotions, then you you have to clarify that. But for me... I'll say intellectually, I don't know, 85, 90% maybe, if I had to go lower 80%, if that. Um, Emotionally, you know, when the emotions control, it can go down pretty low, 20, 10%. But, you know, I I think there's too many hidden assumptions that aren't clear in these types of questions.
0: Hmm. Okay. Um, I mean – if we're going to give, quantify it, I mean, I'm probably in the high 90s. I mean, there's times where I'll dip into, like, you know, 50, 60, 70, 80. But, I mean, I think when you go down there and you doubt and you find the answers to these questions, it just strengthens your faith. Um, BDS says, how's it going? says, isn't the problem of hiddenness a common source of doubts?
1: It, it almost is the number one source of emotional doubts because you pray to God. And because you've made this an idol, um you let that control your life and it blinds you. And I think, you know, God is hidden to me. Now I think you've made God into yourself, whether consciously. I think most of the time it's unconsciously. But because of that decision you made, it, it results from that. And I think people's epistemologies are tainted with this bad foundation of emotions. Um, but, you know, certain people, I totally get it if, you know, they, they've gone through something horrible and like, yeah, the emotions are very powerful. And that's where the intellect side. Um, like, I.P.'s video on divine hiddenness is great. I don't remember how he deals with it emotionally, but like just blowing it off as, oh, it's just a subjective argument from, it's, it's the atheist argument from testimony. Yeah, when it's the Matt Delahunty approach, sure, but these are serious issues. And I think at this point, um, they're not in the right state to be thinking about, you know, the intellectual questions. I think they need to deal with the emotions first and then actually look at it. If those doubts are still there on, on this or questions, I would say on this level.
0: All right, let's keep going. Uh, Nick quiet. What's up? Nick Quiet? Shout out to the synergist podcast. He says, uh, this is a big question because i spending a long time talking about it, but let's try to keep it kind of short ish. Um, uh, he says, how, how does the anxiety and depression impact out?
1: I think it speeds it up. If, uh, um, I, I think it definitely makes it worse and speed, speeds it up. You know, some people, like David Wood, um, You know, with how he is, he just doesn't care about things like that. It's just like it doesn't really affect him that much. He's almost purely intellectual. Um, but with people with this, I, I think because of that, then they just start down to goodness of God because they have this in the first place. And with people like that, you just need to be a patient, good friend to them and Um, I I think that's the best remedy for anxiety and depression, knowing that you have people there who care about you and stuff and who, who help deal with your physical needs as well. Hmm.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's something that I've dealt with, not at an extreme level, but somewhat. And I think that it it just depends on the person. Like every person is different. Um, I think that anxiety Depression can make us doubt God more, cause more doubts. And I think that's important that we have active strategies and people we can talk to to kind of like bring us through these things. Um, Because I think there's a lot of good truth in the Bible. Like, if we look at, like, uh, this kind of goes to the next question from Roxby uh, the Psalms, like, there's just so much good information in the Psalms that if we don't just read the Psalms as poems, but understand them as prayers and petitions to God, it just helps us some more. So much more as we deal with things such as like doubts and anxieties and depressions because david seems to seem like he seems like he was struggled from anxiety or depression or both somewhat um if you read the psalm. so i think if there's there's a lot of things you can look at here um very real important objection uh you have, did you have a thought you wanted to add on that
1: yes i think the biggest issue is our state of mind and- I think almost a sense of pride can end up developing from these doubts, and they can give you a sense of entitlement. So, firstly, read Proverbs and learn the way of the fool versus the way of the wise, and that helps a lot. Then, from there, I'm reading through Ecclesiastes, and that yeah. also deals with problems as well. It just gives you realism how life can be. Um, obviously, Ecclesiastes before the Gospel and no new hope and so on, but like that, that also helps. Um, just I just go through all the wisdom literature. I'm halfway through Job. I started Job like four days ago. Um, then I'm probably gonna read through Psalms. But you were talking about Psalms. You know, people complain about Psalm 131, where you know it talks about smashing the Babylonian children's heads and whatnot. That's a lament psalm, and that's not a command. That's just how David feels, and he's saying this to God because this is talking about. I believe this takes after the destruction of uh, Israel or J- Jerusalem, like five. Five seventy-six or something BC. I, I probably have the date wrong there, but um, you know, David, Solomon, the Psalmist, um, depending on you know who wrote the psalm, they always have these laments and they're describing how they feel. They've gone through many emotions, and I'm glad you brought that up, Zach, because that hasn't occurred to me until now. I may use that in, in these videos when oh, I. What talk- I
0: totally lost what you said there for a second.
1: Oh, I'm glad that you brought up the songs because oh. of, you know remind me of lament poems lament psalms and you know crying out to god in your times of need and many christians fail to do that and a lot of this video is going to be dealing with doubting christians but like a lot of it will apply to some of those who have doubted and perhaps may give them a reconsideration to rethink those doubts Mm. Um, but yeah
0: yeah uh let's keep going uh probably get two more questions in here uh, Roxby says if struggling if you are struggling with trusting the goodness of God, what are some passages you go to?
1: All the wisdom literature, the gospels. I'm trying to think, uh maybe Paul, maybe second first and second Timothy, since Paul is in I believe the Roman um he's either in he's either in his prison home in Rome or is in prison himself because those are the letters I think typically dated before you know, he's beheaded in 66 or, you know, between the late 60s A.D. So, you know, when he's going through those times of need, there's some stuff that can be dealt with in there. I think Philippians would be a good passage or a good book. I mean, that's the New Testament. James is, James is basically the Proverbs of the New Testament. Um, and also Genesis one through three, when God created was good, and remembering what, what God created and how it, how it fell, through this first, doubting of God, when he doubted the goodness of God, Adam and Eve ate the fruit, and because they doubted, oh, maybe this serpent is right, maybe God just doesn't want us to be like him, so let's be like him, and that egoism, that self-interest, that almost emotional need, of wanting to have more power, you could say, um, resulted to almost where we're at now yeah
0: all right um let's go through uh oh actually no sorry no before we go through that i'll give it my thoughts i think there's for me there's two general things that i can kind of i kind of look at for the goodness of god roxby um shout out to roxby always here always appreciate you um the gospels um uh, number one and understanding what god did through us through the work of christ like um, someone in the chat put Romans 5, 8, but God demonstrates his own love for us. Why that while we were sinners? Christ died for us. John 3, 16, you know, for God so loved the world. Um, we can see through the sacrificial uh, work of Christ, just how much God loves us, that he's willing to take on the flesh for us. Um, that's something I look at. And then the other thing I think is the Psalms. Like I, I've been doing, um, as part of my devotional time, I've been reading through the Psalms every day. I'll read a Psalm or two or three. It's just a, Sometimes it's like four Psalms. Because like three verses. Other times it's like a tenth of a Psalm when you have it's like Psalms 119, I think, or it's like 200 verses. Um, and just reading through the Psalms, you see David have this like very real struggle with trying to um, like feeling like God's gone and has abandoned him but at the same time, praising God and loving God always. So I think there's two things that I like to not just read, but also memorize. I think memorizing scripture is such a powerful tool um, for Christians.
1: Um, can I add one more thing? Go for it. Just don't read it to deal with your need. Read it in how I should change my life and you know, actually apply it. Because I think a lot of Christians will just read Scripture and pick one verse or two verses out that suits them with their need, emotional needs almost, and then go from there. And that's almost a shallowness, faithfulness I was talking about before. They don't actually apply it to their life decisions and you know how, how they should, basically. And I, I think that's almost another result of all these emotional doubts because they, they aren't applying it consistently.
0: Mm.
1: And to be fair, I mean, it's almost not their fault with how the church teaches hermeneutics. But.
0: Yeah. Uh, last, well, this will be the last question we go through. I appreciate everyone's questions. Benjamin Bethel, how's it going, Benjamin? Uh, he says, how can I get an answer from God? Because when I have questions about my personal life, how can God answer me back? Because I get nothing reading the Bible.
1: Yeah, I, I can totally get that. Um, don't expect a direct voice, because I always used to pray for that. And you know, um, I think Christians who claim that need to have their brain examined, in my own personal opinion, that that's harsh. But, like, no, God doesn't communicate that way. Um, I'd say, firstly, look at the Bible and see if it's true. And if it is true, that's God's answer to you. Well, I think God uses things that are relevant in your life, on his own timing of course. Um so patience is very important. I learned this recently. Um let me look at his question some more. I think people use people like you've been watching our streams a lot and maybe God is using us to give you answers to these questions. Mm. Um I, I I think God definitely uses people. I think that's just clear through the gospel. Um, yeah so it, it, yeah, I, I don't know the specifics of like, your personal life, Benjamin, and you know, those are yours, but I I just say to keep seeking truth and start with the dude who claimed to be the truth Jesus and see how see how is it how his words can change your life. And I, I wouldn't look for a voice from God. I'd look to what I believe he has revealed to us and mm-hmm. should be our main source.
0: Yeah, I think there's a lot that you, you could say here. Um, a few things, Benjamin first thing I would say I mean I don't know what you are doing but the first thing I'd say is give it to God like whatever you have going on just give this to God like if you're what if it's a doubt or a relationship you should be in or I don't know whatever whatever is going on just give it to God just say God I'm giving this question I had, I don't I don't know have an answer to to you and I'm gonna put this on you um it's just cast all our anxieties on him because he cares for you um so that's the first thing. Second thing I would say is talk to people you trust. Like whatever this question is, find whether it's a pastor or a youth pastor or a Christian friend. Find someone who has a relationship with God that you can like talk to about this this whatever whatever you have going on. And the third thing I would say I've I, I've been harping on this a lot this stream, but read the Psalms. Like there's just there's so much good information in the Psalms. Like David, um, who God brought him. Like God got David out of a, a field field feeding sheep. And God worked so much in David's life, so um, so obviously, and and he still struggled with doubting God um, and questioning God's goodness and God's presence and things like that. So read the Psalms, get 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 in the mind of David, and you can I think it can help you a lot um, through these doubts. Um, John, it's been a great conversation, man. Uh, any last thoughts you can add? And. Plug all of your stuff: your Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, anything you want to know for people who want to follow you and John Dunford.
1: Um, any social media thing you can, you can think of—it's always JMD the Apology X One Hundred and One, except on Twitter without the One Hundred and One. Um, I—if people are having doubts, they can always reach me on social media. Message me on on there a lot, mostly for ministry stuff. Hey, I—I want to do this because I care for people. And after experiencing it myself, I hate people, just the thought of people going through that, um, you know, it makes me care and want to help people. And any way I can help is, is you know, satisfying to me. But um, wait, uh, my, my video will be more structured, so, like, I get, I'll usually give answers. I'll give a lot of good thoughts and stuff, but, like, I don't usually have it in a list format or, you know, a structure itself. But um, I, I'd say wait for this video and um, take God more seriously in your life. And uh, I'm not saying people haven't, but, like, in these times, you have to. And I think God meets us at our worst, I think. I think we see that with Job.
0: Yeah, man, it's been a great stream. Uh, thank you, everyone, for tuning in. BDS, Roxby, Seahee, Luke, Benjamin, everyone else who's been here. Uh, we'll see you guys on Monday. I'm going to be talking with Eric Hernandez, but the philosophy of the mind should be a lot of fun. Um, but That's it for now. If you're new here, you can follow us at AA Apologetics on Twitter at here Apologetics on Facebook, Instagram, and uh, TikTok. And you, that is it. And if you want to, you can support us at patreon.com session Apologetics. We are only, I believe $175 away from fully funded. So that's really exciting. Um, but that's it, everyone. Thanks for doing this, John. It's been a lot of fun. Really good conversation, man. Definitely. In Spartan theology, you missed a good one, my boy. God bless.